Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Here we are. Hello from the lovely courtyard by the <laughs> LAX. That's right. It's so close to LAX. The giant LAX letters mm-hmm. are just like you can see them Kitty from here. Yeah. <laughs> from where we are. So uh, anyway, uh, we're on Los Angeles this week just doing some fun band things. Very fun. Yes. And uh, having a little adventure. And so that was all right. <laughs> Today we actually went to uh, Griffith Park. And I didn't find the haunted picnic table number 29 uh, that we talked about in the last podcast. So we didn't yeah, find it today. Yeah. That was cool. That was my first time seeing that. And it yeah. was a beautiful place. Griffith Park we talk about in our Ghosts of Hollywood Boulevard episode. That's right. And actually funny enough, and I don't remember if we talked about this in the actual episode, but three years ago we played at a place called The Pig and Whistle. Yeah. In Los Angeles. Yep. So The Pig and Whistle is on Hollywood Boulevard. And Griffith Park is like where... Um, the Terminator shows up in the original Terminator. Oh, uh, so I if didn't you, know that. So picture, picture the original Terminator. And on the observatory deck is where he shows up. And that's where it's got all the great views of the Los naked Angeles. The, na- the naked yeah. Arnold. The naked Arnold. Okay. It's where I walk in. I'm not wearing any clothes. And you're like, what's going on? It's like, I'm not wearing clothes. Oh, gosh, he's back. He's back. Don't forget, I said I'd be back. <laughs> and our, our trip has been full of... Schwarzenegger references because he's everywhere in right. the city. I was the governor. Yep, yep. So that's where. Okay, so he shows up there. Right, and it's in, it's in a dozen other movies, but you recognize it because it's where all the nice vistas of the city are. And so, uh, and anyway, we visited today. And it was packed with oh, people. Man, unbelievable. Packed. But anyway, so three years ago we played a place called the Pig and Whistle, and Griffith Park is also right where the Hollywood sign is. So you right. see the letters and things, the Hollywood hooray for you know kind of thing. So the place we played at was named after a woman that was said that she killed herself by jumping from right. the Hollywood sign back when it was Hollywood Land. It used to say Hollywood Land oh, before it said Hollywood. Okay. And her name was Peg Enthwistle. Yeah. And so that's how the place got the name. And I just thought that was interesting. It's, I think it's really strange. I mean. So we were there today. Just the, how the owner would be like. What should we name our restaurant? Huh? Well, you know that girl that killed herself on let's the Hollywood sign? <laughs> let's take her name, but let's make it something funny that we can make a little <laughs> image with. Right. Like, right. I don't know, we can, and, and then when people talk about it, they can be like, yeah, it's the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my favorite. Yeah, the pig exactly. And whistle. There was a pig and whistle in uh, Milwaukee, too. Yes. There was a pig and whistle in For Milwaukee. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> that was right by Esterbrook Park. Yeah, I remember that was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, you guys don't need to know about that. Just a little Wisconsin <laughs> right. tie in there. But the, the thing is, our story today does have a big, big Wisconsin connection. That's right. So, but we'll get there. We'll get there in just a second. Uh, other fun things we did when we were out here. So, so last night we performed at like an open mic and networking party that kind of we organized and stuff like that for Yeah, a, that for was really cool. Music. Fun and interesting people mm-hmm. and some great musicians perform songs. Yeah, it really was good music. 
and for a music licensing website that I uh, I do work for, broadjam.com. And um, and so that was really fun performing and doing that. We went to the Venice Beach Boardwalk. and Yes, we did. And you know who we saw there? We saw lots of Arnold there. <laughs> there was lots. Because it's right by Muscle Beach where the right. people work out outside and things so like that. So all the t-shirt shops, the mannequins all have Arnold Schwarzenegger heads, which is hilarious. And it felt like you were going back to the 1990s with all the rollerblading. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really fun. It did feel like a time warp. Yeah. Well, anytime I see a rollerblader, I'm like, did the millennium forget to call you? And I don't know if it's just because I'm, I've been in the Midwest for so long, but I also, every time I see a really tanned, muscular man, it makes me feel like I'm in the 80s. <laughs> what do you mean? I thought you're, si- you're sitting across from well, me right now. Uh, That's right. I mean, aside, f- yes, aside from you. But, um, but yeah, just the dudes walking down the beach and like, yeah. like strutting their stuff with their <laughs> yeah, big, pretty funny. They're like perfect tans and everything and they're bleached you know, surfer hair. <laughs> Sweet pecs. <laughs> right. No, so that, but that, that was, was fun, fun playing there. It was just neat to see the variety of people walking by. and Yeah, the variety of life. They seemed to enjoy it. A couple surfer dudes stopped and like yeah, listened for a while. Yeah, and it was fun. Just a, uh, like a large <laughs> cross section of humanity yes. is always a pleasure to see. Yes. And it's something we always don't. Madison's a wonderful place, but it's, it's not it's really smaller. a large <laughs> cross section <laughs> right. of humanity. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that was fun. And then that night, though, we went to the a beautiful house in Laurel Canyon. Oh my gosh! And um, another great vista from the. Um, I'll probably link to my Instagram picture or whatever. Or your your picture is way better than mine. So I'll link. Sure. To, I'll link to yours. <laughs> yeah. No, we can. Uh, we have a, a friend of mine who is a, a rock photographer and has taken many iconic pictures of people like Michael Jackson. Um, you know, Tina Turner, Prince, Whitney Houston, like all, all of the greats. He's got a book called Rock and Roll Lens and um, he's got his studio up there. So mm-hmm. he invited us to, to come and see it. And it, it was very, I mean, Laurel Canyon really is like the magical place that they talk about. You know, yeah, it's just so it beautiful up there. But what's funny is that it was the, a former house of uh, Gary Kurtz, who was an executive producer on Star Wars and also uh, a movie that we've talked about in this podcast like two or three times called Return to Oz. Yes. And so I know we just talked about it within like the last three episodes. Right. I don't remember what it was, but it was something about, you know, because that, that woman has switchable heads in Return to Oz. <laughs> and we were talking about the woman with switchable yeah, heads. Yeah. And I hadn't seen it. So you were explaining it to me. You didn't watch it in the meantime? No. <laughs> All right. Your job is to go see Return to Oz. All right. And I'll, in, my, in my copious spare time, I'll... It won't I'll be as terrifying as if you were 10 years old like I was. That's okay. All right. But you'll I think you'll still enjoy it. Cool. Anyway, so the whole thing was super fun and um Very. And now we're just wrapping up the trip. We had some had some fun music. Oh my gosh. And got to visit some places that yeah, we had moved for. So it was a um, good trip and now we're just hanging out in the hotel waiting to go back and so we thought this is the time to talk about uh the topic this week which there's a new TV show coming out today. Actually, what well, what well, to, today, the day today, the podcast comes out. Today for us is Sunday <laughs> night, but you know, for the podcast, yeah. it's 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 Monday, and so the show out today is about uh, Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, a couple of my favorite guys. Right, we all love them. <laughs> we all love them. But the thing is, is that um, it's like a, a fictionalized show that treats them as uh, detectives. Yeah, like so, it's like they get together and they solve cases for Scotland Yard. And I cannot believe that it's already coming out because I remember seeing a preview for this a long time ago and thinking like, 
ooh, that looks awesome. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see that. And it, but it seemed really far off at the time, so now yeah. it's here. I think we mentioned it in our episode where oh. we uh, where we interviewed Brian Showers and talked about that's the, right, like paranormal Victorian stuff. Yes, and so we had they had just uh, they had just announced it was going to be a show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was a year ago now. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so here it is. Time, time, <laughs> right, time keeps it's ticking, keep, keeps going by. So. Harry Houdini, though, what's the Wisconsin connection? He was born in Hungary, in Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in, in Budapest, Hungary, and they moved to Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, good old Appleton. In uh, like 1878. And Harry Houdini's dad was the rabbi wow. in Appleton. So, so another Wisconsin connection for us, right. our home state. They were there for about 10 years before, uh, actually, like the, he no longer became the rabbi or, you know, something happened and. That's a, that's a pretty long time to be planted somewhere. Yeah. I was going to say 10 years. And so he's originally named Eric Weitz. Oh, wow. That's really, uh, not, not as cool sounding as Harry Houdini. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, no, but they were, uh, raised in Appleton and then they moved to New York City Ooh. after he was no they longer went from- a rabbi. From Appleton to the Big Apple. Yes, there you, you go. You have to stick to apples. So Harry Houdini did that. Then he became a. He started being a magician and all those kind of things. And then he found out that the magic tricks he were, was doing were not as successful as when he would try to escape from something. Ah, uh, okay. And when you think about that, now there's very few like escape artists now. It's yeah, not that's something true. you really hear about all the time, unless you're you know in Vegas or right where there's tons and tons of that stuff. Sure, but. It's not, escape arts is not as big as it was, you know. Right. I mean, it's yeah. They're not like. And the thing is, Houdini had a brother that also did it, and they performed together every once in a while. But That's he had a cool. brother, and his brother's name was Dash. So it's Harry Houdini and Dash Houdini. Dash wasn't his real name. Nobody actually gets named Dash. <laughs> it's a great name, though. <laughs> it's a pretty tough name. <laughs> and and so I mean, they did it together. I ne- before I was doing research for this episode, I never knew that Harry Houdini yeah, had a brother. Yeah, because I didn't realize that. Yeah, and that was also an escape artist. So can you imagine yes. if you're a parent, and Houdini's parents are important in this story, but if you imagine and people are like, oh, so what does your son do? Well, he's an escape artist. That's <laughs> awesome. What does your other son do? He's an escape artist too. <laughs> oh, and what do they do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, you know, yeah. both of my sons. That's the, that's the, the musician question. <laughs> right. What do you do? Um, play music. Oh, well, how do you make money? <laughs> <laughs> the next question. So I just, Harry Houdini is the escape artist. Dash Houdini is brother. I just, his bro- yeah, and so his brother apparently couldn't escape from the great shadow of his <laughs> right, successful brother. Right, we never heard of him. Nobody ever heard of him. And, you know, for some reason, I always thought that Harry Houdini was his real name, too. I always did, too. I mean... Right, because it's a sage name, and there was a... Uh, a French a magician named Jean Eugene Robert Houdin, and so like, how was that French there? That's great. Was it pretty good? And they hate H's. Oh, they're so, very difficult to pronounce so in French. Jean Eugene Robert Houdin. Yeah, there huh? you go. It would be more like probably like Houdin. 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 And but, um, but pretty good, Mike. Pretty thanks, good. Thanks. I'm working on my your, your authenticity is, is <laughs> yeah. starting to. Improve. I'm just gonna go start speaking French to some French dudes. Right, <laughs> <now>. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I may sound like Pepe Le Pew or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry Houdini believed that when you put an I at the end of the name, it meant like uh-huh, okay. in French, and um, so he's like he wanted to be like that magician. Udin. Oh, 
so that's cool. why he took that Houdini that's knee. That's a good way to select a stage name. Yeah, I, I agree. It has, has some meaning to it. It's not just, okay, what are people going to remember or spell right on the poster or whatever? Actual, <laughs> right. <laughs> and An actual homage yeah. to someone. So and his original name was like Harry Handcuff Houdini or something like that. <laughs> Triple H. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Houdini is all into magic. He forms like the, the Society for Magicians. So he's like the, the driving force behind like the Magicians Union and everything, getting everybody together. Attaboy. Yep. Uh, but he also is really into going to uh, seances. Right. He's a huge, like he loves seances because once his mother passed, all he wanted to do was contact his mother. Oh, so sad. And so right after the First World War, spiritualism so that's different than you know people say like well i'm not a religious person but i'm, I'm a spiritual person right this is no this is we've we've had discussions about this as well and it's an yeah. it was an actual movement yeah and so spiritualism the idea that you could talk to the dead mm-hmm. and that mediums could do it and we talked about this because really who helped create the spiritualist movement in the united states was the fox sisters and so on our april fool's day paranormal hoaxes episode mm-hmm. that they were eventually revealed like all the things they'd done were were hoaxes oh, after their life wow. was destroyed by like that's, becoming alcoholics and all those kind of things. Yeah, that's pulling the curtain. Yeah, and revealing Oz. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, uh, the Fox sisters really started the spiritualist movement in the United States. And then, by the time you got to World War One, so many people had died, particularly in Europe. So many mm-hmm. English sons had died, mm. um, including the son of a Arthur Conan Doyle. Who, Arthur Conan Doyle is the inventor, not the inventor, he's the author behind Sherlock Holmes. Right. So if you guys aren't sure who he is. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sir Arthur Conan. Now here's something also I did not know. I always thought they knighted him because Sherlock Holmes is so popular. Okay. Kind of I would think that. Kind of like they knighted Patrick Stewart. Yeah. They had like Anthony Hopkins and things like that. It's like, yeah, you're Captain Picard, you get to be a knight now. (laughs) No, actually he was knighted because of a historical book he wrote about the British involvement in the Boer War. Really? Yeah, so he wasn't knighted to anything to do with Sherlock Holmes because he really wanted to write serious nonfiction. You know, even though he creates one of the most popular characters, enduring characters. Right now, there's that elementary show, which is real popular. Yeah, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. There's the Sherlock Holmes with Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Which is incredibly popular. (laughs) And they're making the third movie with Robert Downey Jr. Wow. Yeah. So think about Sherlock Holmes as a intellectual property. This also might be because Sherlock Holmes is in the public domain. Oh, really? So you don't have to pay. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, because like the first Sherlock Holmes novel is like 140 years ago, or something. maybe not that long. Maybe like 130 years wow. ago. So it's just like when they want to when a studio wants to grab like Greek mythology like Clash of the Titans or, or Egyptian mythology yeah. as we talked about Gods of Egypt like the stories are already there you don't have to pay JK Rowling right okay a million dollars to use them but anyway so Sherlock Holmes is more popular than ever big screen yeah. small screen everybody loves Sherlock Holmes and uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle did not he hated it and he would write about how much he hated he felt entrapped Huh. Uh, no, entrapped isn't even the right word. Entrapped would be like somebody like <laughs> fooled him into it. No, he felt trapped, <laughs> like entrapped. He was like typecast as or typecast. Boy, we are striking out here on yeah. vocabulary words. <laughs> he, Sorry, 
I'm sorry, my my <laughs> elementary school teachers, our vocab today is a little low. We've got a little too much sun out here. It's yes. to, it's like our brains are melting. But um, no, he felt he didn't want it. That wasn't what he wanted people to focus on. Right. The media and whatnot. So, and so every, I mean, it was just so immensely popular. 1893, he he kills off the character. That's right. Yeah. It, you know, the down Reichenbach falls and right. Um. That's one way to end it. Right. And so it's like he kills off the character. But it's interesting that he did it because he like was he hated sick of doing it. it. He didn't want to, he, he didn't want to be a associate. He wanted to be a, like what he considered a serious oh, author. And I just think it's funny. You know, it's when people say it's crazy. Like, you know, when you hear an actor who's incredibly famous. Right. And who's, you think is on the top of the world or really successful. And it's like, well, what I really want to do is direct. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, there was a good uh, interview with um, Billy Bob Thornton one time. Billy Bob Thornton's a guy in Sling Blade. He was Mr. Angelina Brad Jolie. Potatoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mr. Angelina Jolie before Brad Pitt. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's a talented actor and a talented director. But the thing is, he's got a band. Oh, and yeah. And that's what he, the Boxmasters. And that's what he really wants. Really? To, like, that's what he always really wanted to do was be in a band. So the acting thing was just something he did while he was working on being in a band. And then it became. That's crazy. I mean, that's when you hear him talk about it, that's he makes it sound like he really wishes that he was a successful musician. Huh. But then he, you know, he tells a great, you know, he tells a great story about like the box masters. Like one time they go play a show and I think we can probably relate to this. He goes to play the show and like they're, they're wondering why the bartender hasn't shown up yet, but the PA system worked and everything. Okay. And they, like nobody showed up, but they still, they thought the bartender would eventually show up and at least make a little money or whatever. Yeah, and usually you start playing and people, you know. Right. Nobody ever showed up, but the, they still played. Oh <laughs> like they gosh. showed up at the venue and the show's canceled. Nobody, you know, and they That's just still, awesome. they, they still got in and played. That's and I just so sad, but you're right. I could totally see that happening to us and us yeah, doing be like, that as well. Well, we got to, I mean. Well, shoot, we told them we'd start at eight. Like, eh, right, I we guess sent, we better. We sent eh. the posters out. <laughs> so that, that kind of thing. Wow. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was the same way. And I also something I learned today: Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was Scottish. And so um, we watched a, a quick video. That was the little voice you were hearing in the background of the <laughs> yeah. uh, of him in nineteen thirty. That was him. Okay, cool. And uh, it's just this like I'm like holy like look listen to that accent. Where's that? I mean he's obviously Scottish, and you just didn't think of him as because you think of Sherlock Holmes as such a London guy. Ah, uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I guess in the new James in, in, in Skyfall, the James Bond movie, they right. show that James Bond is Scottish too. Yep. So, hey, and I and I love Scotland too. I just was t- we were talking today about how I was like I've been to Loch Ness. Yeah, I want to go there. Yeah, you'd love it. You'd love it. So want to go there. Well, the last time we talked about um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I also shared this, but I'll just recap it really quick. Oh yeah, the castle story. Yeah, that I did a an exchange t- program to Switzerland when I, when I was in high school. And um, my host family's grandpa was the caretaker for the castle that had been Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's castle. So we got to go and wander around in it. And it didn't, ha- didn't have like Sherlock Holmes statues or anything? Yeah, like well, that. it didn't. Ha- I don't remember if it had statues, but um, apparently in that castle, because it was so long ago, I was just searching on the web <laughs> to see what I could find about it. But mm-hmm. apparently he had a room in there that was set up to be like Sherlock Holmes. Study? Like, Yeah. So it had the violin and the, you know. Oh, that's like, cool. And it said that it had like a half-eaten meal there to make it feel like sure, actively but, uh, lived in. But that's going to smell bad after a well, while, isn't it? 
<laughs> right. Maybe every meal you just eat half of it and put the other half <laughs> right. in the room. I don't know. You're like, well, a couple times a week, we only going to eat half of me- this meal and we got to put it in the room and then we got to go yeah. back in there and take the old plate out. But it, it, it said like that. Rats. <laughs> like if you got mice and you know, those castles got mice. Oh my goodness. Probably very large ones. Right. But it was just neat to see that. And then it had, it had this like dungeon area and he had like a collection of, um, old medieval weapons and stuff like that. Sure. Just neat stuff. So Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, interesting Scotsman. Yes. Hated being Sherlock Holmes, but I mean, he obviously liked the money that came in. I would, you I know. would think so. But that's why he brought Sherlock Holmes back. You know, cause he's like, spoiler. Right. He's like, oh God, <laughs> I gotta bring this guy back. Yeah. And so he does. But, you know, he, so his historical, you know, his historical work is something that he's really invested in, but it's not what the public wants. But uh-huh. it was still good enough that the that the king gave him a, a knight, you know, a knightship. That's impressive. Yeah. So obviously he was no slouch. Right. Yeah. Well, what happens is that his son gets injured in the uh, First World War. So his son gets injured in the First World War and is like at a, you know, a hospital or a sanitarium and has to live there. Okay. For, and then oh. eventually dies a couple oh, of years sad. later. And so he is just distraught. Him and his wife yeah. are just distraught. Understandably. And he is totally in the spiritual. Oh. oh. So not just because of his, I mean, his son like ex- accentuated it, accelerated it, but he's totally into okay. it. His wife is a medium. You know, so he says... How convenient. So here's... Okay. Now, this is something we don't get too much anymore with modern-day psychics and mediums and stuff. And it's funny, like, you, on Twitter and stuff, like how many psychics and mediums and everything that oh, we yeah. meet constantly. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, and I always think it's a very extreme claim. Like, well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bit of a medium myself. And I'm just like, what? You know, like, that's... When you first meet somebody, or oh, when you're, you know, meeting a lot of people in this field, and everybody's just like, "Well, yeah, yeah, yeah." No, I, I can talk to the dead, <laughs> and you're like, "Hey, now, really?" So right. So Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's wife, though, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, she's a spiritualist medium. She and, sees dead people. Well, she writes. It's called automatic writing. Oh, sure. So that's so that that's something that you don't really see much of anymore. Yeah. And I remember I saw it on Arthur C. Clarke used to have a show called Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Powers. Yeah. And it was like that was very that and in search of, but with Leonard Nimoy were like the shows I would watch as a kid <laughs> and I would, you know, I would just sit and there. And I'd be watching Ripley's Believe It or Not. Mm-hmm. And Unsolved Mysteries. Oh yeah. And so automatic writing is where you get in touch with the spirit, you kind of close your eyes and you just they just write on pieces of paper. Like it's really fast. Yeah, and when I first saw it on Arthur C. Clarke's World of Strange Powers, I'm like, "What is this?" That and it's terrifying. You know, it's writing, writing, just writing, a hand and furiously then, going across the page, like right. And then you new pieces of paper. You know, oh keep but keep on putting down pieces of paper. So yeah, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's wife was a automatic writer. Okay, and you know, I sometimes I wish you know working on blog posts and things like that <laughs> that I was an automatic writer because I hate having to come up with these right. things. Right, be nice. So what happens is. Houdini's mother dies, and he is desperate to get in touch with her. Like he will, you know, he he's hoping that some of these spiritualists are correct, you know, that they're right. Um, so, you know, he's traveling and performing a lot, but he's also living in New York City. Arthur Conan Doyle comes into New York City mm-hmm. and does like a series of lectures 
where he's trying to convince people of life after death. Wow. So he's really hardcore. This is like 1820. And so he's really into it. I'm sorry, 1920. And I don't know if whatever um, period the the TV show's in, because we haven't seen the TV show yet. But they say at the turn of the century, and the Arthur Conan Doyle they have doesn't look very old. So Arthur Conan Doyle would have been like 60 in like 1920. (laughs) And they have a guy that, like a good looking guy. Right, see, that's exactly what I was thinking, is I think they're just trying to make it appeal to younger people. Right. So when I think uh, when I think of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I think of like a I don't know, like an older dude that kind of looks like a walrus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a walrus looking English yeah, guy. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, sitting sitting at his writing table with a pipe. Right. Smoking. Looking like a walrus. Right. And so <laughs> walrus. <laughs> and so this guy's a younger guy and so the guy they have playing Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is a guy by the name of Stephen Mangan. Okay. Who's uh, like a good-looking kind of studly guy. Yeah. Um, who also, though, played in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. So oh. they made a... In England, they made a Dirk Gently series a few okay. years ago. And so I saw him in the Dirk Gently. I see. So I loved Dirk Gently because that's a that's a character created by Douglas Adams. Our favorite. Yes. Who wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. And that was his other book series. He wrote two books. Oh, and I haven't read that series. It's pretty good. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency and The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul. Ooh. You know, an interesting memory about The Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul for me. What's that? Oh, I think I was 13 years old. I read it when I was on some kind of trip. We were like on a family trip for the summer. And I thought a... uh, I thought a girl was cute that lived by us for like the first time. Maybe I wasn't quite 13 yet, but I was like Aww, 12. And she was like a couple Mike. years older. Right, right. I crush. thought a girl was cute for the first time. Not even a crush, just like, I don't even know what to <laughs> feel, I think. And then like the like there was another guy. We were all there for like two months, you know, so we were okay. at this college yeah. and our, our, our parents would be doing collegial stuff and okay. we would just be living there over the summer. And uh, anyway, the guy... There was another guy there, and like he was a couple years, like he was two years older than her or something like that. Anyway, so he was a big stud, and I didn't even say anything or th- anything like that. But like he, uh, like he made out with her, or whatever, and and I just felt jealous for the first time. Whoa! While I was reading that book, so every time I think of the long dark tea oh, time with the soul, so weird how your mind like connects those things. Connects those. So I, when I watched <laughs> that, uh, and it's you know I I wasn't even. Yeah, you're just attracted to a person for the first time. You're like, wow, I didn't even know I could do that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't even know. That's really I, funny. That's the thing. It's just a cute girl. And uh, anyway, it's like, oh, I'm jealous. And I thought about uh. it. And I felt weird. And uh, it was funny. So now I think about that book. So when I was watching the TV show that I felt jealous. No, I, I, I had that association. <laughs> you instantly feel jealous when you see that show. Right. And they're making a new version of it, too. Like, it's going to be oh, cool. on US TV and things oh, like oh, that. So nice. if you're a Douglas Adams fan, I know you are a Douglas Adams I am, fan. but now I kind of want to read it. Yeah, you'll like it. You should you should read it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, well, that, that was one of the reasons I knew you'd be cool, Wendy. When your online name hey, was thanks. when your online name was oh. Trillian. Yes, and she's such a weird character in that book. But I picked that because it was like less than eight characters, and right, <laughs> it fit the requirements for ICQ back in the day. <laughs> oh my gosh, and I love that book so much. Yes. So the guy that's the guy that's playing Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay, Stephen Manchin, and. Arthur Conan Doyle is performing a series of lectures in New York. And and it's like at Carnegie Hall. Like it's a mass, it's like massive crowds. Wow. So that's impressive. Yeah, he's I'd doing, go if I heard he was coming to my town. <laughs> right. So the guy that wrote Sherlock Holmes is coming to give a lecture on 
proving life after death. That'd be amazing. Now, it's funny, because also, people think of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle as someone who has, uh, like... He's smarter than the regular guy because his character is smarter than the regular guy, right? Like he might be. Like, oh, right. You you like transfer the character to him because that when you said you thought he looked walrusy. Yeah, he totally looked walrusy. And I'm like, no, I picture him wearing the and basically I pictured him wearing the Sherlock Holmes hat and like right, the author, <laughs> like all the things that and it's like, wait, no, he's not. So Sherlock you're applying Holmes. the attributes right. of the character to the writer. <laughs> yeah, just naturally, you know, like and because Sherlock Holmes is such a master of deductive reasoning. And you think of that as scientific mm. mind, mm-hmm. you would think that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle giving you the skinny on life after death yeah. is going to be something uh, like profound. Right. Well, it, it certainly did make an impression. Uh-oh. Um, several people like killed themselves and killed what? other people. Yeah. So a Brooklyn oh potter, gosh. Frank Alexi, stabbed his wife in the head with an ice pick, <gasps> claiming that he had seen an evil spirit sitting there that had followed him home from Carnegie Hall. A young man killed himself and his roommate because he explained there were no gas bills in the afterlife. <sighs> so th- 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 these stories is incredibly harsh. These stories come from prairieghosts.com, which is written by Troy Taylor. Oh, okay. So are any of these lectures like recorded or notated anywhere or? well the youtube video i was watching with arthur conan doyle's voice when i realized like oh he's a scotsman <laughs> it's a it, you know it's obviously not yeah. like my ridiculous scotsman accent <laughs> that was him talking about life after death in like a little movie uh-huh. they made in 1930 so those those particular lectures aren't on uh, like youtube be, or anything it would be like interesting that. to to hear or read them yeah see oh man listen to this one woman maud fancher heard Doyle giving a speech on the radio and then murdered her son and consumed the contents of a bottle of Lysol before she swallowed the poison, which took a week to kill her. She wrote a letter to Conan Doyle and told him that spiritualism inspired her to the act. Then she left a detailed letter for her husband explaining what she wanted her baby to be placed in her arms when she was placed in the tomb. Oh, is that disturbing? So that's the idea. Like, there's a next world. You know, and you get that... um, well, if you think about, you know, think about Prince that just died. Mm-hmm. And the beginning we of saw le- a, tr- a memorial for him too on we, the right outside Rock the, Walk. the Guitar Center Rock Walk had a nice memorial to Prince today. I'll post that. I got that picture. So I'll yeah, post that picture cool. in the show notes. But so like in the beginning of Let's Go Crazy, Prince talks about he's like, you know, let's there's another world. The afterlife. A world of never having happiness where you know you can always see the sun yes. day or night. Right. So you, and if the elevator tries <laughs> to bring you down, go crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. But that that funny thing, that idea that you I mean, you are really telling people. And you can see why the concept of heaven was so popular like if you're a um if you're working on a like a farm and like a peasant like it's in um the Middle Ages where people like never traveled more than a mile away from their homes in their life and you were kind of kept down in that feudal system, you know, yeah. a peasant. You are you you are a peasant in service of a lord. In service. So you're not hopeful that you're going to get a big promotion someday and, and right, you know, be the president or something. <laughs> the idea that we have in the United States, which is you know, it's still I think it's still pretty unique to the United States, mm-hmm. is that you can start off poor and get rich. Right. Well, and that's why people came here. That's why Harry Houdini right, yeah, went to Appleton, of, Wisconsin. You know, Eric, the, the Weitz yeah. family went to, you know, from, from Hungary because they, they saw an opportunity and wanted to go for it. Right. And when you don't have any hope of upward mobility, 
period. Any social class. You're going to be a peasant till you die. Yeah. That's it. You have a lord yeah. who looks over the a, property and stuff like that, and you yeah. farm for the lord. And that's 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 going to be your life until you're dead. But then... But then you get to go to heaven. Yay! So if, you, if, you're, if you're a good boy or good girl, you get to go to heaven at the end of yeah. it. And so you can see why people, like why this is so popular, you know. And then it's the idea that when you lose somebody, that they're in a better place. I mean, obviously yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle was devastated by the yeah, loss of his son. Terrible. Houdini was devastated by the loss of his mother. Right. And he would write pamphlets. He would go, I mean, he'd go to all these seances, like 100 seances in a year and stuff like that. He would, I mean, he would go and he would find ways to defraud them because he yeah. would know the magician's secrets. Because the thing is, and this is something I learned today too. I feel like it's a day of new learnings Man, for me. I know. This is cool stuff too. Uh, magicians... We call them magicians. They're really like right. illusionists, yeah. things like you know. But in the like early twentieth century, they claimed to have paranormal powers. Whoa. So they wouldn't just say that this is a magic trick or I'm a magician. This is all an act. They would. There was a particular group like the, they called the Davenport Brothers, and they said they were actually, like they were. Um, actually, magicians. Like they actually were talking to the dead. They were doing all these things, you know. And so they were using. They weren't just saying like this is a trick that we had supernatural powers and that's what enables us to do these kind of things. Okay. Well, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, he thinks that Houdini has supernatural powers Whoa. and just won't admit it. Oh. So he really so he thinks that Houdini wow, that is, cool. is like funny. a superhero. Yeah. You know, not just a regular guy like, that knows how to do that. Sleight of hand and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. He's actually But that he's a superhero. And uh you know, and they have conversations about it. And so when, when Conan Doyle is, you know, doing these lectures on spiritualism in New York City, um, he meets up with Harry Houdini because he wants to meet the guy that's got supernatural powers. And Harry Houdini wants to talk to a guy that he thinks is intelligent, maybe, about spiritualism and how it's a load of hooey. Hooey. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what... That, then they met up, and Harry Houdini was so excited That's to meet awesome. somebody who believed in spiritual spiritualism that he didn't think was an idiot. So it sounds like basically what we have here is peanut butter meeting chocolate. Like, it is. <laughs> it's one of those. It's, right. You know, it's, it's magic. Yeah, because it's, I mean, the conversations they must have had. So now, Houdini, didn't he have that million-dollar challenge to anybody who could prove there was... That's James oh. the Amazing Randy. Oh. oh, I thought somebody. I thought Houdini had something like that. I do. I don't. I don't know about okay. it. Okay. Like I think that. I mean, he would go on. He would try to debunk um, mediums because he to see if he could talk yeah. to his mother because he was actually hoping he could talk to his mother. I really thought. So what he had was, he had a a ten thousand dollar prize to okay. anyone who could exhibit supernatural phenomena that he could not mirror. So as he was touring around and doing his show, he would say, you know, Prove prepare it. yourselves. Yeah. So like different people in different cities, mediums or whatever. And uh, so that was the Houdini thing. So he, after trying to prove it himself, he, he was putting it out there to anyone else. All right. So that he did have a challenge, a $10,000 challenge, which obviously is still pretty good money today. But back in 1920, you know, that's a monster amount of money. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, I could buy two Model T cars. <laughs> um, but so they started hanging out together in New York City when uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, they they became friends. They're like superstar buddies, like yeah, it's rock star, 
Right. They're like when when he, big famous people. It's well, it's like when a basketball player and a and a rock star like hang out or something. Yeah. Sure. It's like this. There's a new band with uh, Alice Cooper and Johnny Depp and Joe <laughs> right. Perry from Aerosmith. Right, and they're like the Hollywood vampires, and like so you're like. How did they all meet? Can you imagine just like hanging like every right. like they're in a Denny's or something like that, and they're like, "We should probably play in a band." <laughs> so I mean, so like Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle start becoming buddies, that's cool. and then that's the basis of that. Now I don't know how obviously they're not sticking to the actual the truth of it, but yeah, but we'll see when we watch the show. But obviously, there, there's lots of opportunity there for mm-hmm. for some cool dialogue and. Well, the th- the thing is, is that um, you know, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle he experienced some medium frauds too. Uh, there was one spirit that referred to him as Sir Sherlock Holmes instead of actually oh. using the name. There's another one that um, appeared from a cabinet with like, so they'd have these spirit cabinets. Like you have, you have a seance and everybody's in a circle and it's dark. And then you have a, like the closet door right behind you would open up and then a face would appear oh, or something like that. And that, all these different kind of tricks. So a seance really was more of a magic show than anything else, like the knocking. Oh, like yeah, have, and the table shaking and raising. And, right, they'd have all these yeah. little tricks. And ectoplasm. What? So Slimer? Yeah, just like I mean, that's where when they talk about Slimer, like ectoplasm would appear as that was the... That was like a sign that... A manifestation, oh the slime. So that's, I mean, that's why Dan Aykroyd put that in Ghostbusters. Funny. Is because of that ectoplasm, and that's what they called it, ecto. Ectoplasm would appear... In the middle of these seances and like, that's gross. Um, yeah, gross. Well, we'll get to that in a little oh, bit. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll, we'll go back to that in just in just a little mm. bit. And but the thing is, like, uh, Conan Doyle was at a actual seance where he saw what looked like the sp- the face of his dead mother appear in the spirit box. Mm. Okay, and then he reached out and then felt Aww. felt it was like a dude. <laughs> it was like a dude dressed uh. up, you know. And the thing is, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, like he would really go to bat for mediums and spiritualists and things. There were these pictures of fairies that little girls took in England. I, oh, I remember reading about those. Yeah, and like there's the famous pictures of fairies. And today it obviously looks like Photoshop. Yeah, it's kind of like some of those really bad uh, UFO photoshops right. or, or like alien ones where they're like, look, you can see next to the flying saucer, there's a little man. And it's, it's like obviously just a dude. In a suit, <laughs> like <laughs> right. an alien suit. It's not even close. <laughs> so anyway, so Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, though, was really big on these fairy fit. Fairy okay. Fairy. And, you know, when the girls were like, in, when they got old, like in the 1960s or whatever, they eventually said, like, this is all. I mean, we obviously, we made it up. You know, uh, they made they a little, like, like a cutout of a fairy that, you know, and lighting Aww. and stuff like that. And they took, that's how they took the picture. But I mean, they're cool photos. Yeah, it's, it's it reminds me of like crop circles. Yeah, remember it was for such a long time before someone like fessed up and showed how they created them. Right, like here's how I did the crop circle, and, and I, you're like, you know, oh, I, and people have been doing it for decades now, and you know, you're but just, they're still awesome looking. Oh yeah, crop know? circles are cool. Do those still show up? I haven't seen any reports lately. Oh yeah, every once in a while. Yeah. It's not as big as it used to be. Like when yeah. it was like a Led Zeppelin album cover and stuff. Right, like that. right. But, they still do crop circles every once in a while. Okay, that's cool. Um, but it, it's not aliens. It's you know, some, some an artist, right? Basically, it's, it's basically cow tipping. It's you know, basically <laughs> <laughs> these guys are bored and they're just gonna do something in the middle of nowhere. So they have like it's Harry Houdini 
and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. They're hanging out. They even take a little trip to Atlantic City together. Like and wh- while they're swimming, like Houdini, <laughs> like they're in, the, they're in the swimming pool, and Houdini like shows off by showing how long he can hold his breath underwater. Oh, man, because he would do like yeah. escapes and stuff like that underwater, chained up and everything. And uh, you know that's hang out, and they would just talk about spiritualism and stuff like that. And there's a certain uh, a certain character by the name of Mina. Crandon, uh, she was also known as Marjorie. She was a, a Boston medium, originally from Canada, um, but she was became a, a famous medium in Boston in like the 1920s. And so her followers said like she was the most amazing because she could make fingerprints appear. That's things. pretty cool. So they they'd see a, a ghost hand would come down, and then a, like they would test for fingerprints, and there'd be no one at the table. Oh, that's clever! You know, it'd be it'd be different than anybody else at the table. Um, sometimes she also would hold seances in the nude. Whoa! <laughs> and the ectoplasm would come out of her. No. Yeah, oh. I said I said that where we're going with this, right? And it was also said that she had affairs with like her investigators. She like, was, sounds like quite a character, right? Like if people would try to debunk her, like the rumor was that she would uh, do it with them. Oh, so to kind of yeah, I mean she's she was working the system, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. Well, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle thought she was brilliant, and that became a big sticking point between him and Harry. Houdini. Oh, because he didn't believe in her, and then yeah. yeah, and they would have like a back and forth, like her and Harry Houdini had back and forth you know, kind of fights and everything. Yeah, challenges. Um, They have this uh, Scientific American magazine. Still exists today. Uh But in in 1923, they had a contest, they sponsored a contest that said $2,500 to any medium who could show genuine psychic ability. They get like a, American psychical researcher. So that's what they that's what they called it at the time, the psychic research. So uh, there was the the original Society for Psychical Research was from London, and you would have big scientific names in it back in the late nineteenth century. Mm-hmm. Like today, nobody involved, like Bill Nye, would never join the Society for Psychical I Research because they'd be like, "That's all, that's all crap." Discredit him, right? But back then, like famous scientists would. Be, in, be involved in that and the American was the American Society for Psychical Research and those are still around uh, and we talk about a little bit about the American Society for Psychical Research in our interview with Nancy Zingroni oh okay right the parapsychologist that's right yep I remember that and um, okay so they have an American Psychical Researcher they've got a popular cult writer named Herward Carrington yeah <laughs> right oh my and um and Daniel Comstock, who introduced Technicolor to films. Whoa, hello. So they have, a, they have some people who are into this stuff there, and then they have some people who are into production of things there to kind of to watch over. William McDougall, who was a famous professor of psychology at Harvard. Yes, and, I remember him. <laughs> and then Harry Houdini are there, and they're conducting oh, the investigation for Scientific American. And, you know, she wants her $2,500. Sure. Well... Houdini and the and the supporters of uh, Mina Crandon, Miss Marjorie, started immediately, you know, friction right away, and they wanted Houdini off the panel and said that he couldn't be uh, trusted and things like that. And 
you know, like half the panel thought that she was for real. Wow. They were like, yeah, she she is the real deal, and she should get that twenty five hundred dollars. Wow! So it was like a split mm-hmm. jury there. <laughs> and during the seances, I mean, Houdini would see her like doing little tricks, like a noise, and oh yeah, because yeah, he could pick up on that stuff. Right, he picked up. He knows how to do it. Yeah, he could see her lifting objects when, yeah. she, when they they just said they looked like it moved on its own accord and things like oh, that. Wow. So he's pointing he's out all the this stuff eye. from the sleight of hand because he knows sleight of hand. And then they, you know, they start arguing, things like that. And this really helps, you know, cause that rift between him and uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. Well, what also happens at the time is that Houdini wants to talk to his mother. You know, and Arthur Conan Doyle, his wife is a... Medium. Yeah, she's an automatic writer. And and he's like, well, we're going to, we're going to do this. And so they have a seance where... They contact Harry Houdini's mother. As Arthur Conan Doyle and Harry Houdini, and then his and then Arthur Conan Doyle's wife. So like, she was the one leading the seance. Yes. Oh man, I'm okay. This is interesting. So then the mother, you know, starts going through. So they actually contact her. They they say they actually contact her, right? She starts saying all this stuff about how she's so happy she can contact her son, about how she's missed him, oh, no. you know, about how it's okay. been, you know, they've too long since they talked and everything. Yeah. And it's all being written. And it's like a couple hours of stuff. Wow. All right. Houdini keeps quiet about it because it's his friend. But uh-huh. later when he's talking about it, he's, well, the thing is my mother didn't, couldn't, couldn't write a word of English. She, you know, she only really spoke Hungarian mm-hmm. and didn't really know English. So when she did speak English, she was very broken. It was also her birthday that day. And they didn't, and the, didn't the Doyles, the Golden Doyles did not, and didn't mention it. So the stuff that they didn't know from having spoken to him. Right. Didn't surface. Didn't during surface. This. So he just oh, didn't gosh. believe it. That's really sad too, because like, that's a really cruel thing to do to a friend, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just a little, like, we're going to try to contact your mother today. Okay, cool. Like, and then, I mean, I don't think that he thought that uh that she was she, faking it. that she was faking it but i think he thought that she was you know crazy or whatever and so so oh, that kind of that was what helped destroy that friendship so i don't know how they're going to represent that's that a in big the show. One. yeah that's a pretty huge oh there was another part so um conan doyle suggests a question and houdini's like well can my mother read my mind and starts writing and starts talking about like what she sees in his head and it's it's all incorrect you know so all these things happen yeah so it just adds up to fake it it, it adds up (laughs) to fake and so like he didn't want to like hurt like their feelings and everything but it eventually just kind of led to yeah that would be a weird thing to to have to like while maintaining Mm -hmm. a friendship to to know that one and the thing is is that um you know, it kind of eventually cracked with that Mina Crandon woman because Sir okay. Arthur Conan Doyle was like, this whole investigation and contest is all crap. You know, he's like, he wanted to believe so badly, he, so badly mm. that he would willfully, like, just willfully not see yeah. when people were tricking him and stuff like that. Like, you know, n- not see that, hey, this chick's got. <laughs> ectoplasm coming out of her hoo-ha oh. like there's something or there's like strings holding the table up to the ceiling <laughs> right <laughs> there's something going on here 
and uh yeah so that kind of that kind of ended their friendship and I'd like, i'm interested to see how they actually will show that yeah me too me you too. know because it's like how many seasons can it can the show right. go <laughs> if they eventually you know they're yeah they're it, we all know the, the the history of that it's gonna end right their bromance eventually ends so harry houdini dies in 1926 mm-hmm. and he's in detroit and he already was kind of feeling sick. So he wasn't feeling well. So he was laid out. And some like dude comes up to him and punches him in the stomach. It's not because, nice. Like one of his things was that he can withstand any punch or right. whatever. But like he's already laid out sick and the guy wants to challenge him. Oh, so it was an official. He didn't, it wasn't like he was walking down the street and somebody jumped him or something. Like he was, I mean, but he was like the guy came there to do it, but I, it wasn't official or anything, but he wasn't prepared but, and but he wasn't like, hey Harry, what's that over there? <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no, he kind of like I think Houdini like acquiesced to the punch, but he wasn't okay. ready for it. Oh. And what happened was is that um, he had appendicitis, and so that just that was the final made it worse. Blow. Yeah, like that was like his appendix. He was sick, and they like I don't know if the one guy's punch could rupture your appendix. Yeah, like you got to be a real tough guy. <laughs> For one punch to, you know, rub, yeah, yeah, rub the guy's appendix in one punch. Yeah, but when you're, I mean, you have an inflamed appendix, mm-hmm. taking a punch right directly to your stomach is probably not going right. to help matters. So he dies and his wife, Bess, he made an agreement with her. Oh, yeah. That they had like a secret message that he would try to get that message to her. He would do it. If there was an afterlife, he would do whatever he could. To get her that message. Yeah, which is a cool idea. And I have to think that lots of people who believe do in these things, things like would that. do... Yeah. I mean, I've thought well, about it. That was... Um, they had a seance a few years ago with the... Uh, trying to contact Andy Kaufman, the, right. the comedian. Yeah. And... Because Andy Kaufman was always... And one of his friends was like, yeah, we had a deal that he would try to contact. Like, yeah. he would try to say a certain thing. Uh-huh. And you know, and you can't, and you, the two of you have to keep it a complete secret, obviously, because anybody right. else gets word of it. Then and can... there's so much perform, so much of Andy Kaufman's personal life. I mean, life was performance art. Yeah, so, you know, and it, it was his writing partner was the one that said they had an agreement. Okay, so, like, was he trying to pull some kind of con yeah. or whatever? And you know, because I remember I watched the seance in this remembrance uh, of Andy Kaufman they had. Okay, right when that movie Man in the Moon came out, which yeah. was Jim Carrey playing Andy that Kaufman. Good. Yeah, it was a great movie. But his his writing partner, George Zunda, is played by uh, Danny DeVito in the movie. Oh. Or Paul Giamatti. Okay, I can't remember. It's been, I haven't seen the movie in like seven. <laughs> That's okay. Years. I don't remember either, so. Okay. I don't think it's Danny DeVito, but. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Yeah, I saw it in the theater, so. It was right. Like. If it, either way, but in the seance, he's like, you got the, he, he's not like you got the message, but he's like, I believe that was Andy talking to me. Right there. So when the medium comes, like he comes to, like the writing partner said that I believe that was the Andy message Kaufman. was delivered. The yeah, secret message, like, that. That's, like, but then you what? never know if you trust him either right. because of all the stunts it's all and jokes gags. and stuff yeah, like that. Right. And they would there was a certain character that they used to play Tony that Andy Kaufman used to play Tony Clifton. Yeah, put all this fat makeup on <laughs> and stuff like that. And sometimes his writing partner would play the character instead of oh, Andy. Oh, that's so funny. And then Andy Kaufman would come out, and people would think that they were watching Andy Kaufman the whole time, and they really were watching yeah, the writing partner. That's a good one. That's a good fool. And so things like that. So Bess Houdini was Houdini's wife. 
and he often like they show pictures and you know it's like houdini and my two loves and it's his wife and his mother Aww. and it's very sweet except houdini was laying pipe all over oh <laughs> like Gosh. all over the country he was out there <laughs> like <laughs> it's a great there's a there's so like harsh <laughs> But that's a great thing. Like he, has a, he has an affair oh with the wife of Jack London, oh, the guy that wrote Call of the Wild. Gosh. And like it was said that. Wow, that's. Uh, now, once Houdini died, best found, best found his, his love letters, that she found his love letters and then invited all the mistresses over to the house oh, at the same time. Man, you go, girl. And just, and just gave them all the letters. So she found his secret letters after he died. That. And that she invited him. Insane. And didn't say anything. Didn't do anything. She just said, "These are for you. Like these are your, you oh know, these these God. are your property, kind of thing." So that is that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Houdini wow. escape, escaping the bonds of fidelity. Uh, so. Okay. <sighs> so they did this. The secret message, and she ran a seance, and they did this every year for ten years after he died, and the final. A uh, seance took place um, at a place we drove. We were actually right at today, the Knickerbocker Hotel. Oh, okay. In, in Hollywood, so not yeah. too far away from Griff- Griffith Park, we were, and okay, you can gotcha. see the sign. You can still see like it's got a big, and it looks like it's from the 1920s kind of thing. You know, that's cool. Near the, it's near the Roosevelt. Yeah, like that, yeah. We, But yeah, so uh, she said that if he couldn't contact me in 10 years, then I don't think he's ever going to. Yeah, and she that gave was. Up. And that was it. And she kind of gave up, and they did ten that years. That would be of exhausting, seances. like each year. Oh mm-hmm. gosh! And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Doyle dies in like 1934. Okay. So he does. I mean, he dies just a few years after Harry Houdini. Mm-hmm. No ruptured appendix or something. No drama. Like that. He was just no like punch. seventy. He's just seventy something, and oh. that's like no punch. Like nobody punched that walrus <laughs> and like ruptured his appendix. <laughs> did he actually look like a walrus? Kinda. Like okay, I'll look up a picture, but I, yeah, no, he kind of he kind of. I was curious because now that's what I picture when I think of him. But and you know, interesting. The story made me feel bad for Jack London. Yeah, you no know, kidding. I was like, oh man, his wife's like writing another guy, saying like, you know, you're the real love of my life oh, and all these so things, and, and you know, he's sitting there writing stories um, about the, things, stories about the Yukon from the perspective of a wolf or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, so. that's pretty sad. Anyway, Harry Houdini and uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle show's coming out. It's on tonight. If you watch so, it, let us know what you think. Yeah, if you watch it, let us know what you think because I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna check it out because I want to see uh, what kind of stuff they do with that. Yeah, me too for sure. And um, if you would like to let us know what you thought, we have a Twitter account mm-hmm. at Other Side Talk, or you can just um, check out our Facebook page. Right. And we'll have those links, those links are on othersidepodcast.com. And you can find the show notes for this episode at othersidepodcast.com slash 90. cats. Only 10 more until yeah. we are like officially like 100 episodes. We need a party or something. I think you guys have any ideas for that? So 10 weeks from now, let us know. That's like two and a half months. Oh my gosh. All right. Okay. Yes. We just finished planning a party. Right. (laughs) Hold off. Take a deep breath. (laughs) Plan the next one. Anyway, so we're thinking for the song this week because so much of what Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, so much of their relationship to the spiritual dealt with caring about the people who they had lost. 
and it dealt with this, the search to communicate. So we thought we would pick a Sunspot song this week yeah. about, uh, you know, it's more like a salute, a tribute yes. to the people we have lost. So this song is called Biking Funeral. for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. It's where I walk in, I'm not wearing any clothes. And you're like, what's going on? It's like, I'm not wearing clothes. Don't forget, I said I'd be back.